The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash. Today, we have a special guest on the show. CNN calls her the mother of the zero waste lifestyle movement, and the New York Times has called her the priestess of waste-free living. She's leading the change this planet needs to combat overconsumption, and I'm sure most of our listeners have read her book, Zero Waste Home. Bia Johnson, it's such a pleasure to speak with you today. How are you? Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for having me. Bia, you've changed the world and really are are working on getting more people into the zero waste lifestyle and have done so much, uh, especially with your book. And now you're on tour. So I want to hear a little bit about you after the book. So are you currently on tour right now? I'm constantly on tour. Uh, sometimes I obviously come home. I do have a family of four, although well, one is off to college now. I've been in college for the past three uh, weeks. Uh, but otherwise, I, uh, yeah, this, uh, this year indeed, I am, uh, I am giving speeches in 35 different countries. So, uh, I kind of like group them all in, uh, in certain regions. And then I'll come home for a little bit and then I'll go back. And so, but it's been a very, very exciting to see how receptive everyone throughout the world is about the zero waste, uh, lifestyle and how, uh, you know, people throughout the world have shown that it's, uh, it's a lifestyle that is, uh, that is doable, that it's adaptable, uh, anywhere, uh, you might be living. And, it's, uh, it's really exciting to see how, how far and how fast this movement is going uh, worldwide. Thank you so much for all this work that you're doing. It's really cool to be watching. Uh, And you've already spoken in, I think, 50 different countries. Is that right? Yeah, 55. Uh, wow. It's, uh, it's really exciting to, uh, to initiate that even in places like as far as Brazil or India, where, uh, you know, obviously they have, they, they live completely differently than us. Um, and maybe the, you know, the means are very different, but uh, yet even in these places, uh, you know, I've been invited to present the lifestyle as the lifestyle of the future. To basically uh, come to tell them, hey, you know, in the U.S. we've majorly screwed up. Now we're trying to undo things. And you guys have the power right now uh, not to make the same mistake and to understand that uh, success or prosperity is not based on stuff. It's actually uh, based on being, not having. Right. And, and, and that helps because... Some countries aren't to the point of overconsumption that America is. I remember reading about children. If you have a child in certain countries, they don't actually have a big carbon footprint. But if you have one in North America, they actually have a huge carbon footprint. So it's almost like you're you're telling these people before they go down that bad road that they don't have to. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, the U.S., uh, you know, where I live, it's, uh, has shown, uh, you know, an example of uh, prosperity that a lot of countries are trying to aim for. And I think it's about time that we showed a different example of prosperity. And uh, we showed that actually uh, living better is not accumulating stuff, but living better uh, is about uh, living simply and having a life that is based on experiences instead of things. Absolutely. That's so awesome. And there's so much traveling. Do you have a zero waste travel routine? (laughs) Yes, uh, I always uh, bring with me uh, uh, a cloth bag for all my snacks. 
or anything that I need to buy on the go. Um, I also carry a stainless steel uh, personal mug, uh, which I'll fill with, uh, you know, I'll make sure it's empty before I go through security uh, if I'm going to fly. And then once I pass security, I fill it with uh, water, either at fountains, which are becoming more and more popular now in airports, mm-hmm. or at a cafe or a bar or even the bathroom. Um, and then uh, once, I, once I'm on the plane, I asked, uh, you know, I asked the staff to fill the, that stainless steel container. I always refuse the meal on the plane because I, uh, I personally believe that accepting is condoning. Uh, if we accept a meal or something that we don't agree with, yet it's a way for us to say that we're okay with this, and it's a way to support the practice and, and basically tell them to uh, continue doing it. So uh, in my case, I simply refuse the meal. Uh, in refusing, I, uh, I hope to be creating a demand for an alternative meal. Uh, you know, when you sign up or you uh, book a flight, you're given the option to... Uh, to get a, a salt-free meal, a sugar-free meal, a vegan meal, a vegetarian meal, a Hindu meal. They have lots of different options. I once counted 22 different options. I'm waiting for the zero-waste meal. So uh, I think when we refuse the meal and then we uh, ask uh, in a letter or email that the airline considers doing or offering a zero-waste meal, I think we'll get there. You know, uh, they do. They already do know how to do meals in reusables in first class and business. Mm-hmm. It's all in reusables, so they know how to do it. They just need to get a little bit organized. But uh, that aside, so because I refuse a meal on the plane, I uh, I always eat before I fly, or I'll take a, a sandwich or a croissant, uh, depending on how long my flight is, um, or maybe both uh, with me in one of those cloth bags. And then once I am at destination, there is three possible options. Uh, one, it's uh, either I stay in hotels. Like when I'm on tour, I typically stay in hotels. Um, and when I stay in a hotel, I, uh, I don't use the little individual uh, shampoo and uh, conditioner bottles. Because uh, even at home, we use a bar of soap to wash our hair, faces, and bodies. So I'll just use that solid bar of soap to, uh, uh, for all my cleaning needs uh, on the go, even sometimes to do laundry. So then if I'm staying in a hotel, I'm obviously eating out. If I eat out, then uh, I'll be supporting a restaurant that serves in a real flatware, uh, you know, with, on real plates with real napkins. We don't eat at uh, fast food restaurants, of course, serving in disposables. So I do not travel with a whole kit of, uh, you know, plates and cups and, and all that. Uh, I think some, some zero waste do, but I don't. I prefer to support the businesses that do it right. Um, and then uh, the second option is I stay at someone's house. If I do stay at someone's house, of course, I'm going to respect their lifestyle, just as I expect them to respect mine if they come to my house. So if they offer me a bowl of chips, uh, I'm not going to turn it down. I'm not going to say, oh, sorry, but uh, I know you bought these chips in packaging. It's the opposite, actually. I jump on the chips because it's not something I typically <laughs> buy. Uh, but uh, finally, uh, the third option is uh, we... Uh, we rent a house or a place or an apartment, and uh, when that's the case, we'll be looking to buy our food unpackaged. So we'll use the cloth bag that we've brought, and then we'll use whatever container is available in the rental, uh, maybe an old pasta jar or a Tupperware or a, a glass jar in order to buy our food unpackaged in that area. That's awesome. What about water? Yeah, water really has not been a problem. That's good. Uh, I think a lot of people are concerned about going to Southeast Asia, for example, where they're being told, oh, 
do not drink the tap water there and you know, mm-hmm. you'll get sick. Um, it's actually a filtered water is a really uh, readily available there. Um, I've even seen it in a, in a pharmacy. You have it like in, a, in office buildings. You have it at the airport when you land. Um, and then uh, very often they also have a, a kettle in, uh, at least it's been the, the, the case throughout Vietnam. We found the kettles. Uh, in all the, the the hotel rooms that we stayed at, so then we just uh, you know boiled whatever tap water we were able to get, and then we just poured that into our uh, our personal cups. I've gone to lots of uh, countries where people or tourists are being told that they need to buy bottled water. I found that it's not true. Uh, just uh, you know, just have a knife or filtered water, and you'll find that it's actually everywhere. Very cool. That's something that I wonder about. And when you're in other countries like this, do you approach delis the same way you would in America? I remember watching your Google video where you presented at Google and you gave a really funny story. It's on YouTube if you're looking for it, if you're listening, of Bia Johnson speaking there. And it was about getting, I think, meat or cheese or something in your own jar. Um, How do you find other countries respond to this? Actually, I found that other countries are, are much easier and much more receptive to uh, bring your own container to the store. Uh, there are some places where they just don't care. I mean, they don't bat an eye. Uh, uh, they are, I found, for example, that in, uh, in the south of France, I tested uh, zero waste uh, there, in a, and I found that I was able to do 90% of my grocery shopping just in farmer's market, and another 10% was done at a, at a health food store, uh, you know, in, uh, through the bog bins. But the farmer's markets were extremely rich in, uh, in selling unpackaged stuff. You had uh, uh, not only olives, but also spreads and meat and fish and, and of course, uh, the produce but you, and soaps. I mean, you had lots of different things that are not even available uh, at the farmer's market unpackaged uh, in the U.S. For example, if you want to buy fish, from the farmer's market uh, where I live, it will come out of a cooler and it will be shrink-wrapped. Uh, whereas in uh, Europe, it's typically sold out of a frigorific, uh, you know, refrigerated truck. And then you can just, uh, and when you present your jar, they actually thank you for bringing your jar because you're, you're saving them money by them not using a disposable uh, wrapper for, uh, to wrap your food. So, uh, and then in other places, I found that uh, really when I come up to uh, with my cloth bag to buy a, a sandwich or whatever, they, they just don't care. Sometimes they're grateful. Sometimes they just feel it. They don't say anything. It's just it's very dependent. That's really, really good to hear because I have a lot of difficulty trying to explain it to people. And I think if you're listening and you're you're ready to go and confront people a little bit, uh, it's tough because a lot of people don't understand and they're, they're quite scared of germs, it seems. I, but I do not confront people. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm not here to give anyone lessons. I'm not, uh, I'm not here to tell anyone how to live their lives or how to run their businesses. It's never been my goal. The funny thing in what you, you refer to a, a story that happened indeed at the cheese mm-hmm. store when I first went to my local cheese shop with my jar uh, and I presented it for the first time. Uh, the staff behind the counter said, well, why do you want to put it in there? And I said, oh, it's because I, uh, I'm trying to reduce my plastic consumption. And he literally laughed at me. And he said, I'm sure you came here in a plastic car. So what's the point? And oh I was disappointed goodness. at the lack of support. But yet, you know, it was a very important step 
for me to go through. And at that point, I realized that, you know, the way that I had asked had made him feel uncomfortable. So he got onto the defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, now I just I say it very differently. If I bring a jar to the counter, I say, hi, um, can I please have a pound of uh, cheese in here? And I don't look at them in the eyes. I look at the selection uh, below me. Um, as I present the jar, so I act as if I've done, well, I almost have done this my whole life now, but it's been 10 years, but yeah, if you do this as if you've done it your whole life, then they typically don't turn you down. And you're not, uh, I mean, personally, when I go to the store, I'm not there to tell them to uh, how to run their businesses. I'm not there to judge them or to put the pressure on them. I'm just asking them to do me a favor. So when I present the jar, for cheese, meat, or whatever, I just say, you know, can you please put one pound in here, please? And uh, if they ask me why, I say, ah, I don't have a trash can. They're like, oh, okay. You know, I'm not uh, in that response. I'm not uh, putting a judgment onto them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just asking them to do me a favor. And I've seen that also in a, um, another example, I think, that, is, uh, that speaks for itself. Is um, One day we went with my husband, rode our bikes uh, all the way across the San Francisco Bay Area, we, drove, we rode two hours to, uh, to an area that was kind of deserted, but where they had like a new, uh, kind of like a new brewery. And uh, we arrived at that, in that area, you know, the whole ride, uh, I had the beer in my head, like oh, at the end of this ride, we have the nice fresh beer. But when we got to the brewery, the beer was served in disposable cups. So as you can imagine, I was very disappointed. And I asked the, the staff behind the counter if they could put it in my bicycle bottle. And he said, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. But we'll serve it to you in a disposable cup. And I said, oh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shame because I, uh, I'm in a competition right now. I'm in a challenge. I haven't used a disposable cup since 2008. And I just, it would be a shame to start now. And he's like, oh, that is so cool. Okay, let me fill your bottle. Wow. So in that case, again, I was not putting judgment on the way that they are running their business. I'm just asking them to do me a favor. And it changes everything. It, uh, it changes the relationship with the person. And, uh, and it makes you actually much more likable than if you were the pointing the finger at something that you're disliking. Absolutely. Did you learn these things in France when you were growing up there? Respect for experiences other than things? Uh, well, so growing up in the south of France, I grew up in a household where my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She uh, cooked a lot. She sewed all our clothes. She canned. Uh, she was definitely a, a big uh, homemaker. My dad uh, is a big repairer. He can repair anything, including uh, incandescent light bulbs. Um, but it's not that I, you know, I was taught to uh, care for the environment. Or I was, uh, you know, I was taught to live simply because we were like a regular French household with lots of stuff, especially because my dad likes to repair. So he likes to keep things to repair more stuff. But um, and he could never pass up a, a, a TV on the side of the road. He had to stop to pick it up and repair it. <laughs> kind of, that's kind of one of his hobbies. So uh, we had a lot of TVs in our house. <laughs> so living simply is not something that. I learned from there. Um, living simply is something that I learned uh, on my own with my family uh, when we decided to move from the suburbs of 
uh, of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, we were in a place where we had to drive to go to schools, grocery stores, restaurants, and we missed the life that we had known in the big cities we had lived in, where uh, we had lived in London, Amsterdam, Paris, where we were used to walking and biking everywhere. So we decided to relocate, but uh, to be closer to a town to have all these amenities within walking or biking distance. But before finding the right house, we rented an apartment for one year, and we only moved in with the necessities. And it's during that year that we found that when you live with less, then you have more time, more time to do what's important to you. And so little by little, we, uh, we started letting go of things. Uh, eventually, when we found the right house in that town that interested us, we got everything out of storage and found that, I mean, 80% of the buildings we had put in there, we hadn't missed for a whole year, so we let go of them. And, uh, and we really, really let go of a lot of things and asked us, uh, you know, really asked us, asked ourselves, what is it that we really use or need uh, in our home? And uh, from there, we became minimalists. But it's uh, probably, to me, the best perk of uh, living wasteful. That's awesome. Um, my boy at home, he's seven, and he loves his litterless lunches. And when you guys moved, what? his his litterless we call them litterless lunches. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so just no. So I thought you no were garbage. talking about like a superhero toy. Or oh, <laughs> it is a superhero in a way. <laughs> but I'm so happy that he's aware of it. Uh, so it must have been really cool to be raising two boys while you're doing all this. And I assume that they're quite proud of you. And they didn't miss any of their stuff either when you moved into the new house. They were good. So my kids, uh, if you think about it, my kids have lived longer without waste than they have with waste. So what we do is completely normal and automatic. It's like. When you grow up with a certain religion or a certain diet, you actually don't question it. So my kids, you know, they don't care about the fact that they're going to school with their, you know, their cloth bag or their pure shiki. Uh, and it seems that today, like, each kid is on a different diet. Uh, you know, you have kids on a vegan diet, vegetarian diet. Uh, again, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's almost like the plain selection that you get for a meal. Uh, so in the end, you know, the furoshiki completely blends in among the, the gluten-free cupcakes and the vegan bacon. So uh, no one really pays attention to it. Um, I wouldn't say that my kids are really ambassadors of this lifestyle, again, because to them it's completely normal. Um, and it, it's even hard for them to remember what it was like, uh, you know, what our life was like before, because uh, they've been doing this longer than the other life. You know, we've been doing this for like 12 years. So it's, uh, it's really part of what we do. Now, I can't predict the future. I can tell for sure whether they'll adopt a zero with lifestyle or not when they grow up. Um, I expect them to rebel, just like any teenager does, no matter you know, how they're brought up. But that's all of growing up. You have to challenge what you've been taught, and you have to test things for yourself when you become independent. But what makes me feel comfortable is, uh, as a mother is to know that I am giving them the tools to do it if they choose to do it uh, later in life. Uh, you know, I have, uh, again, a son like at the university now, and I, I expect them to be buying the chips or the, the you know the junk food we uh, we never bought or we haven't bought in the past 12 years but that's normal that's part of growing up he has to test these things for himself and uh, at least he has the tool uh, the tools to do zero if he chooses to do it that's awesome you're so smart in so many ways it's very cool to listen to you every time every video or anything and i really encourage listeners to check out uh bia's website because you're speaking in so many places so she might be coming close to you and you can hear her in person uh bia am i saying your name right because i i know some people say bea instead well no it's uh i'm open to whatever you know uh however you want to say it my husband calls me b 
my youngest son calls me Beatrice because he thinks it's cool. And otherwise, my friends call me Bea. So I have, uh, however you want to call me, it's fine with me. Okay, that's awesome. Um, now I don't know if I should say Bea or Bea. But <laughs> <laughs> that didn't answer the question, did it? <laughs> no, uh, but I think... Well, um, I grew up with people calling me Bea because uh, it comes from Beatrice, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a nice name, and um, it's it's always nice to hear you in the news and and see how much exposure you're getting because it's just it's so good what you're doing, and this stuff uh, kind of keeps me up at night of like solutions that we can do for bigger companies. And I saw a while ago that you sat down with a very big company, Starbucks. How did that go? Yeah, you know it's uh, really uh, it's really amazing to uh, to see how far this movement has gone. Because it's uh, in the end, it's attracted the attention of big corporations, and uh, uh, you know, of course, as this movement is growing, and uh, these corporations see that I originated this, so they've uh, they've come to me to have my input on some of their products, and you know, th- my my job is not again to tell them how to run their businesses. This is not my expertise at all. Uh, my expertise is the home and how to achieve a zero waste home. So. Um, uh, basically, uh, whether it be at uh, Starbucks or Amazon or IKEA, I presented the lifespan. Basically, uh, to explain to them what uh, what we do in order to achieve uh, zero, or very close to zero, since we produce just one jar of trash uh, per year. But um, it's uh, just to present to them all the tools that uh, we use and uh, the uh, and present to them my my methodology of the five hours to achieve zero. And in that way, it's uh, giving them an insight on what this movement looks like and what zero wasters are looking for. And uh, in that way, then they can build their businesses around that. And it's in their best interest, of course, to adapt to uh, the zero waste lifestyle movement. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not here to tell them how to run their business, but rather give them a, a, an idea or an image of what of the decisions or how we make the, our purchasing decisions uh, in a zero waste home. The materials that we choose and the reusables that we use, or even uh, let's say in the case of Amazon, for example, I explained to them that uh, you know I, we personally, when uh, you know we buy our things secondhand, if we need to buy something, we buy it secondhand. We favor the thrift store. We favor, uh, if we can find a thrift store, we fall back on Craigslist or we fall back on uh, the uh, flea market. But for the the items that are super specific, we fall back on eBay. Now, eBay is one of, uh, you know, one of Amazon's competitors. Um, And I explained to them that, yes, I do shop on eBay because uh, they've made it easier for me to find products secondhand, and then I can also uh, send a message to the shipper to request that they only send it to me in paper or cardboard. Now, the way that Amazon is running things right now, that's not something that you can do with them. And if they change that, if they made it easier to find secondhand products on their website, uh, if they uh, uh, give us uh, uh, the, the ability to add a message or request that that the item only comes uh, wrapped in paper or cardboard, then I would be uh, using Amazon. And I've actually used it for a couple of things to buy things secondhand that I was not able to find on eBay. Uh, so they, they, are, they, they do have, they're very close to the, having the solution. They just need to adapt it to us. 
That's pretty much some of the only trash that I make is I will order something like I'll order some oil in a that I know is in a glass bottle and then it'll come in a bubble wrapper and it has paper and then it has the plastic bubbles and I can't pull them apart and I don't know what else to do with them. So Yeah, and you know they are for certain products like uh, the ones you mentioned where I was frustrated if it's something that I use then uh, it's something that and if it's something that's going to end up in my jar of trash and I use that item as to propose an alternative to the company. So, for example, there's been some times where I was, uh, you know, I've, as you can see on all the pictures, the videos, I use a lot of French canning jars to uh, eliminate trash or to buy uh, our food unpackaged. Um, but uh, there are some when when it came to canning time, because I only I can tomatoes once a year, and when it came to canning time, the first few times I kind of didn't have enough jars. So my husband had to uh, go out and buy the jars. And I was uh, disappointed at the fact that uh, some of them either came wrapped uh, in plastic or that uh, they, the gasket uh, that they used was not natural, it's synthetic. In Europe, they use a natural one, but in, uh, in uh, North America, they use a synthetic one. So I contacted the company, and we've had this, uh, this uh, great relationship ever since. They're very open at adapting their business to the zero wasters. Of course, uh, with me using the, those jars, they've noticed that, uh, well, there is more and more people that want to buy those jars. And so it's in their best interest to, uh, to actually make the product more, uh, in a way, the, the packaging more zero waste and the product, the, the, the materials that they use closer to our ethics. So um, along the conversation, we've uh, together developed a, 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 a basically a zero waste packaging. It's uh, for uh, their Amazon sales. So now if you buy that brand of jars, Le Parfait on Amazon, it will just uh, come uh, you know, boxed with uh, cardboard and there is no plastic involved. And then uh, for the gaskets, uh, that's, uh, that's their latest uh, change. They, uh, they're swapping the uh, synthetic gasket for uh, natural ones. So if there is something like a, a specific brand or product that you know is going to keep ending up in your, uh, in your jar of trash or your, uh, your bag of trash every year, then, then this is an opportunity for you to reach out to those companies and propose alternatives. And you might be surprised how open they are actually to change. That's really cool to hear. I'm so glad. Is it the natural rubber that they're going to use for the gaskets yes. in the jars? Nice. Awesome. I want to ask you a question about like single use disposables, because I see so much that like I think Starbucks did have a competition. How can we have a better disposable cup? Why is there such a focus on disposable cups when you could just use a real cup? Like, why is good question? Well, I mean, that was my conversation with them Uh, when I uh, when I had the opportunity to talk, uh, you know, with uh, with Starbucks, I you know, I, 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 of course, brought that up. And I said, you know, there is no point in me telling you what to do here. You already know what to do. Uh, what's interesting is that Starbucks sells uh, differently in different parts of the world. So uh, in the U.S., for example, if you go to Starbucks, they're going to give you automatically a disposable cup. If you order uh, from Starbucks in Macedonia, for example, which is a small country in Europe, they serve it to you in a reusable cup. And they will only give it to you in a disposable cup if you ask for that. That's simply because Starbucks is managed differently and it's, uh, that's what the region wants. The region 
over there, like in Macedonia, people don't really like to drink out of disposable cups. They prefer to drink out of uh, reusable ones. So they, their business has adapted to that. And I think what they could do indeed, instead of like trying to find the perfect disposable one, I mean, I'll never support the perfect disposable because it's a disposable, you know, uh, period. And there is no need to deplete resources to create a product that's not needed in the first place. Uh, reusables is the only way to go. And uh, in the case of Starbucks, they could definitely, and that's what I mentioned to them, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, they could definitely push reusables more. Uh, maybe even if they don't make it uh, there, uh, the, the first or their, uh, you know, if they don't give it to you automatically when you first order, they could at least let people know that reusables are available at Starbucks. You can go to Starbucks and ask for your coffee in a reusable. Or they could give an incentive, uh, you know, maybe a few cents off if you bought it in a reusable, but have a sign that let people know that they actually do that. And it would be in their best interest, of course, if they did that during a zero waste week or a sustainable month or Earth Day, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, the businesses have a lot of opportunities here to adapt to this movement. Absolutely. I wish Tim Hortons would have something off to the side where I could just come up and tap my phone or my MasterCard and then fill up my cup. And then a bonus is I don't have to wait in line behind everyone else who's getting food and whatever. And then it could be maybe just an incentive for people with their own cups. You know, I would just love that because I don't like waiting in line. I don't like drinking out of garbage. Um, and well, I like I've to pay quickly. I've never actually set foot in a Tim Hortons, although I've gone to Canada quite a bit. But we see Tim Hortons cups all over Canada, like everywhere. Yes, yes, that, so. that I've seen. I've picked them up. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I have not set foot in a Tim Hortons, but I definitely have been in contact with the product itself. My house is 17 kilometers away from the nearest one, and I still see cups. Like, I go and pick them up in front of my house. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how, the, you know, the extent of, of these uh, places. And now they're finding that mosquitoes, the larva, uh, absorbs plastic. Did you read about that? That just came out in Nova, that they think microplastic is getting into the food chain inland through mosquito larva. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. so crazy. Uh, <laughs> the other question I wanted to ask you, though, is uh, the bulk finder. Did you invent this? Yes. Uh, so uh, it's uh, back in 2011. I, um, I participated in um, it's what you call the Green Awards. So it was uh, participating in one big challenge. I presented uh, the project under the parent category, basically presenting the zero waste lifestyle. And uh, I talked about the fact that there was a demand for an app that would help people locate bulk locations near them. And so I uh, created that bulk app. It's, uh, it's been really, really difficult to keep it up because, of course, of the ever-changing operating systems and technology. Uh, it's been very costly for us to uh, keep it up, but uh, we're trying to make it as sustainable as possible for us. That's awesome. Well, it's such a good idea because, you know, if you're traveling, you don't know where to go um, or if a new store pops up. But I, I imagine that it would be difficult because apps are, are quite complex, but it's really, really cool. So, Bia, if you could just suggest anything at all for us to do sort of like right now, like do you have a big thing that you recommend to people when you speak? Yeah, well, the, I would uh, encourage people to think about the five hours, of course, if they're uh, interested in this. I mean, uh, my methodology is really foolproof. That is how you get to zero. By one, learning how to say no, refuse. Two, by letting go of stuff, that's reduce. Three, by swapping disposables for reusables, that's reuse. And then really considering 
uh, recycling and composting only as last resort before um, before landfill. So uh, the more you refuse and reduce and reuse, the less you have to uh, recycle and rot. Uh, once uh, you know these materials leave your curbside, then it's out of your control. So when uh, you do have control over the materials when you refuse, reduce, and reuse. So I would highly recommend that people think uh, about uh, the first R, refuse. You'll be amazed how much stuff you can stop from coming into your home once you learn to say no. Uh, next time someone tries to hand you a plastic bag, a straw, or a business card, or junk mail, uh, or a free pen in a conference, um, take a moment before you reach out to grab it and ask yourself, do I really need this? And by saying no, you'll stop the demand to make more and you'll stop these things from becoming your trash problem. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll just take pictures if someone tries to give me a pamphlet or, you know, a business card or something to be nice. I'll just be like, oh, I'll just take a picture of it instead. And then they're like, oh, what? (laughs) So... Uh, Well, that's so great. Bia, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're an inspiration to me and I think to all of us listening who are going down this journey or being on this countdown. And uh, thank you for all that you do. And if you're listening and you want to check out Bia Johnson, check out her website. It's zerowastehome.com. All her her travel schedule is on there um, where you're going to be. Uh, So thank you, Bia. Keep doing what you're doing. And I look forward to uh, seeing more videos of you and hearing about more wonderful things that you're doing. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for all you do, and thanks so much for this interview. Take care, guys. Thank you, Bia. Bye. That was Bia Johnson. She is the founder of the Zero Waste Movement. She's a very important name in this countdown to zero waste. I'm so happy to have the opportunity to speak with her today. And on her website, there is a video about her travel pack, which is very inspiring too. And one thing that I've thought of that I haven't done yet, but I think if you called ahead to a hotel and asked them not to put the little shampoo and the conditioner and the, uh, the cream, I think if you just gave a special request and said, could you guys take them out of the room, then we know that they are uh, not getting thrown out because I kind of worry that maybe the house cleaners would throw them out. Uh, So thank you for listening. This week on my countdown to zero waste, I realized I hadn't been to a grocery store in over a month. With a stop at a local apple orchard, two trips to the bulk barn for dried goods, and a stop at a local Mennonite farm in my area, We've been eating buckets of veggies from our own garden that we grew ourselves without pesticides or synthetic fertilizers, meaning we eliminated the need to go to traditional grocery stores for most of the summer. Don't forget to subscribe to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast on whichever platform you listen in on. And you can follow me on Instagram at zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, you can find us on Podbean and click the button that says become a patron. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown podcast.